Hello and welcome to another episode of the Queen's Community HealthCast. I'm your host, Deborah Radall, and I'm here once again with the most illustrious podcast editor who happens as a side gig to be our <laughs> our board coordinator, Elizabeth Bailey. What's up, Elizabeth? Morning, Deborah. Boy, I'm having a great day after that introduction. We're here today to speak with one of our newest prospective board members. Please, everybody, welcome Charmaine Stevens. Hey, Charmaine. Hey, Deborah and Elizabeth. For the people who might not know you, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Tell us where you grew up. So I grew up in Milton, and I've always lived in Queens County, except for when I was away from my post-secondary school. And I moved to Port Midway, Deborah, in 1996 when I married uh, my husband and married into the Stevens family. And I've been here ever since. And you have a big family. I have three children, two who are away now at post-secondary. And uh, my daughter is in grade 12. So we're going to be empty nesters pretty soon. I know. So now, as a prospective board member, why was it that you thought you might want to become involved with the Community Health Board? Well, I guess the timing seems right. You know, I've always been involved with various boards in the community in Port Midway and in Queens County and throughout Acadia First Nation as well. But, you know, it's been pretty busy uh, with the kids when they were younger, so I couldn't be involved as much as I would have liked. So the time seems right for me to be a bigger part of the community and something that I feel that I could offer some diversity and uh, perspective from the First Nation community. And I've heard you speak about the Community Health Board uh, many times, Deborah, and I really thought that the work that you guys are doing there's something that I enjoy being a part of and thought that maybe I could bring something to the board. So you are a counselor with the Acadia First Nations, is that correct? It is. Okay, tell us about that. So back in 1996, when I was graduating from law school, elections were coming up for Acadia First Nation. And Acadia First Nations governed by a chief and council who are elected much in the same way as the municipality elects the mayor and councillors. So at that time, I think I was maybe 26 years old and I, I didn't know a lot about Acadia First Nation, how the governance worked, but I did have an aunt who was a councillor. So I had a bit of knowledge and I knew the elections were coming up. So I decided to throw my hat in and run. I don't think I really knew what I was getting myself into, but I thought, I, you know, maybe I had something to offer. And I ran and I got in and I have been there ever since. So it's over 24 years now. I've gone through, I think, seven elections and was just recently reelected in the fall for another five-year term. Congratulations. You are a lawyer, but I know that you are not currently practicing. Is that correct, Charmaine? That is correct. I had a private practice for about 10 years here in Queens County, and I was also doing my counselor duties for Acadia. And, uh, you know, my kids were all under the age of 10 at the time, and it was too many hats to keep up, really. And uh, so I decided at that time to close my private practice and just focus mainly on my work with Acadia First Nation, 
which still keeps me sharp in the legal world because there's so many legal issues there. And so I'm also quite involved on most of the legal issues that come up for Acadia, but I am not the representative or the legal representative for Acadia. We have a whole other uh, legal team that works on, on those kind of issues. Do you enjoy the work? I do enjoy the work. It's something different every day. And just being able to be a part of all the progress and see where we've come over 24 years is quite something. But it's never the same job every day. And so while some days I may be dealing with policy work, a lot of days I'm dealing with individual uh, one-on-one interactions with band members. So it's really diverse work and it keeps it interesting. There's never a dull moment. Perhaps you can help our listeners understand how some Mi'kmaq are part of a band like Acadia First Nations or Bear River and others are represented by the Native Council of Nova Scotia. That's a great question, Deborah. It's one I have been asked a lot in the past and it's the one that's most confusing uh, to the public to understand. So I got to step back a little bit to try to explain it. But to be uh, a band member, to belong to Acadia First Nation or Bear River First Nation, you have to have a status. And in order to be a status person, you're regulated through Ottawa, uh, the federal government, who uh, regulates who qualifies to be a status First Nation person in Canada. And that's governed by the Indian Act. And we actually, uh, if you qualify, if you meet the requirements under the Indian Act, you receive a certificate of Indian status. And it is actually still called that today. So it's quite a process to apply, but most of us that belong to Acadia or any other band we were born into it. So our parents or our grandparents were band members and had status. So it was a easier application. So but, it's hereditary for you. It's a hereditary thing. And, and for your children, it's hereditary. Yes, it's but it wasn't thing. always because it is so complicated. The Indian Act is, you know, it's an old piece of legislation. And the purpose of the Indian Act, when it was first established, you know, when you have a piece of legislation, uh, it states the title of the legislation and then it states the purpose. And the purpose of the Indian Act was to assimilate and enfranchise the Indians till there were no more. And I'm paraphrasing a bit there, but that's pretty much what it said. And the the act itself has changed very, very little over the years. So even though they've changed the purpose of the act, they've never really changed the body. So the body of the act really still has that as its main goal or purpose. And one of the things that happens, so how we come with status and non-status, First Nations, one of the easiest way to try to explain it, one of the sections If you had uh, a First Nations person, Aboriginal woman, and she married a non-Aboriginal man, she lost her status. So she became, at that time, what was known as a non-status Indian. And her children couldn't be registered. However, in the same breath, her brothers 
their children could still be registered. They didn't lose their status if they married a, a non-Aboriginal woman. And in fact, their wives gained status. So there's a lot of inequality in the Indian Act. And that led to this whole status, non-status issue. And so many, many years ago, Native Council in Nova Scotia was formed to represent these non-status First Nation people, some who had lost their status through marriage and some through another process called enfranchisement, which we would need another whole day to talk about. <laughs> But in 1985, a court case ruled that was unconstitutional. And these women who had lost their status through marriage gained it back and their children were allowed to then be registered. And since then, there's been a couple other court challenges that allowed their grandchildren to be registered to try to bring some sense of equality. But that's what brought in status, non-status type issues. Native Council in Nova Scotia still represents non-status Aboriginals, so people who identify as being Indigenous, but Ottawa does not recognize and will not register. And Native Council actually also represents off-reserve Aboriginal people. So they kind of have a, a dual process there. So you can be a member of Acadia First Nation and Native Council of Nova Scotia if you would like. Our CHBs in the Western Zone are currently working on bringing reconciliation perspective into our work. Find ways to connect and collaborate with First Nation communities. Do you see opportunities there for CHBs to do so? Absolutely. You know, reconciliation is really what it means is repairing relationships. And I think the Community Health Board, well, any organization has a role to play in that. We all do. But I think through the Community Health Boards, I think there's quite a role that can be played. And that can be done in many ways. But just being inclusive and really being respectful and mindful, whatever kind of projects, whatever things are being worked on in the community, I think the First Nation community enjoys when people reach out to us to be partners, to want to play a real collaborative role. But I think some of the issues sometimes become problems when organizations just reach out to have someone as a token and not really play a collaborative role. Right. I think what's important is to understand reconciliation, to bring about repairing those relationships. The thing that is most important is to be, is it to be done in a real respectful and understanding manner and inclusion. And just for the health board, having someone like me as part of your committee, I think that helps other First Nation people see that they are represented. And our board focus for the Queen's Community Health Board is not just to talk about those things. I always like to say that we're an action-oriented board. We like to do stuff. So Charmaine, you mentioned the word token, which can sometimes make people feel very uncomfortable, but let's just flush that out a little bit and talk about why that's not a comfortable word. So sometimes different uh, organizations and committees, they want to be diverse. They want to have somebody on board but sometimes they're just trying to fill that spot, you know, and I think sometimes some of us feel that we're not really valued, that our opinion isn't really valued. So if you're going to have a committee or whatever you're working on and you want a First Nation perspective and you want to ask somebody in the First Nation community 
to sit on that committee or board or ask for um, guidance. That's wonderful, but value their opinion and really listen to them instead of just having them there to say that you've checked off that box. Right. And I think a lot of times I know I've felt like that in the past and I've been asked to sit on many things. And sometimes I feel like nobody really wanted to hear what I had to say. They just really wanted to be able to say at the end of the day, well, you know, we did have someone on the decision-making team there that was from the First Nation. And uh, so I'm always kind of leery of that. And I'm always looking to see whether or not the request is really genuine. And, uh, you know, and to feel like a valued member of a committee or a board. So my last question, Charmaine, what is something that you want people to know about you? Well, I'm a bit of an open book, honestly. People that know (laughs) me know me so well because I think I often overshare. So (laughs) I'm pretty open to dialogue and conversation with just about anybody. I love to hear people's personal stories and I love to talk. I think I'm approachable. So, you know, hit me up anytime for a conversation. I'm up for it. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I look forward to working with you in the future on this project, which is something that's different for both of us. So I'm pretty excited. Aren't you, Elizabeth? So much. We're very, very lucky to uh, have you working with the Community Health Board, Charmaine. Well, I'm very excited to be here. And as Deborah said, it's exciting to be part of a a board that really is not about my children or a committee about (laughs) my children, you know, because all of my other volunteer work has solely been around them. And uh, so this is something different and I'm really looking forward to it and just being a part of the team that you've gathered. Well, I'm sure we'll have opportunities to have your voice heard on the Community Health Cast as we dig more into the topic of reconciliation and diversity throughout our community. So thanks again, Charmaine. Thanks for having me. Great talking. For more information on today's topic, including links to documents and other sources of information, please visit our Facebook page, Queen's Community Health Board, or call me, Elizabeth Bailey at 902-350-0478. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time to the Community HealthCast.